This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Warning, the following programme contains very strong language, adult humour and stories which may not be appropriate to younger listeners throughout. The opinions expressed in this programme are those of the the individuals and not those of Mansfield Matters or any of the organisations connected to the Mansfield Matters branded projects. Obviously, raising money for the Alzheimer's Society in the closed season. Today, we are not in the usual surroundings of the Capo Lounge in Mansfield. That's because we've made a trip to the seaside. Yes, we've come to Costa del Cleethorpes, as it's often dubbed, to speak with a former player, former captain, former youth team boss, former assistant manager, former manager, former um, dressing room sweeper. Was there a job that you didn't do? Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to get plenty of stories on the way uh, for you over the next hour or so. We've still watched this here uh, in Grimsby. So thank you very much for inviting us down here. We'll have more from you in just a second. Nathan, though, uh, and Simon, um, two minutes ago, which would have been two weeks ago for people watching at home, <laughs> yeah. we did a Facebook Live video, uh, which explains this gold medal. Do you want to tell people uh, why you've got a gold medal hanging around your neck? Yeah, so it's my birthday yesterday. I've taken off my hat because it was annoying me. Um, but uh, this is a wonderful gift from you guys. Um, that is a number one, isn't it? It is a number one. Yeah, so just to say I'm number one, thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's very much appreciated. And uh, before anyone, well, because you said I'm 30, just to get it correct, I'm not. I'm 24. Just 30. Saying. 34. But no, yeah, thank you very much, guys. No problem. It's uh, it's an absolute pleasure. I hope you had a, a great day two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, this will make this was, It's just for <laughs> reference. So if you're wondering why he's wearing this gold medal, I can tell you as well that it is 24 karat gold colour. Um, brought from Tesco for about a pound, so there you go. Uh, we've got your birthday hats and cake as well, what more do you want? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very appreciative, it's all good. Sorry, last, uh, last week, uh, John Delaye in the Capo Lounge, uh, yeah. insightful that one, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, really nice guy, got to know 
a little bit more about what happened behind the scenes and you know opened up your eyes a little bit so yeah it was really good fantastic can't wait to see that on the but it will already be out by now on on Wednesday you need to figure out how this works by now yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's me age carry on yeah well you're catching it with Nathan (laughs) really I should have sat on that I should have sat on yeah whatever so it's all good Uh, obviously today we've made the trip to Costa del Cleethorpes have you just agreed just so you can get a day by the seaside or well I knew fish and chips might be on the menu so uh, I'll straight here anyway but I'm I'm really looking forward to this one like we said we've uh, we've had some cracking interviews so far but they've all been from players and uh, today we're going to be getting an interview obviously of an ex-player but also that added um, you know added insight into the sort of management side of the football club as well so uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Si what about you obviously this man delivered uh, the first promotion in 10 years back in 2002. I remember it well. Um, so it was just about the time that I started watching as well so actually Stuart yeah. was the first manager that I actually started watching. Yes. Um, so what, what do you remember about that, uh, that particular time? We had some quality young homegrown we, players as well. We did. We had quite a few quality homegrown players and the added extra of people like Wayne Ford and people like that. So we had a really quality team that year and we, des- we deserved exactly what we got, which was promotion. And that was what was delivered in the end by this man over here, Stuart Watkins. Stuart, thank you very much for inviting us up to Costa del Cleethorpes. Absolutely. My pleasure. Nice to be asked. It's, uh, it's great that you've agreed to do this. I'm sure there are plenty of fans looking forward to hearing those stories. Remind us of uh, uh, those days then. Take us back to the very start of your journey. When did you first arrive at, at Mansfield Town? Oof, you'll have to tell me the year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... I, I just left Hereford. We'd uh, lost in the playoffs under Graham Turner. Uh, just had about five months there. Uh, had a really enjoyable time there. Great. We had a great little run. We were right down the bottom when I went, and we ended up getting in the playoffs. But we lost over two legs to Darlington. Um, didn't stay, uh, and then uh, halfway through the summer, just before the start of pre-season I got a call from uh, Andy King God bless him uh, asking if I would be interested to, to drive up and speak to him uh, obviously I was I was a unemployed footballer at the time uh, I wish I could say I was inundated with offers but I wasn't I had a couple of possibilities uh, uh, but as well, ge- geographically, Mansfield was uh, was doable for my Wolverhampton home, so I, c- I could travel it. Uh, and it's strange, I, I, I drove up, um, met Kingy, who was charismatic, to, to say the least. Uh, I think Parky was there that day. I think Parky had really just finished playing by then and was just moving on to the, the coaching side. Uh, the chairman put his head around the door as well, Mr Haslam. Got to say he had uh, one of the worst summer shirts on that I, I think I've ever seen. But uh, And you have to say, you know, first impressions, he, a lovely fella. But when I arrived at Mansfield and, and I met King and I met Parkey, uh, it just felt right. It, it just felt this is the place that I want to be, you know. I spoke with Kingy about his footballing ideas and straight away I took to Parkey. Uh, and it, it was a no-brainer really when I was asked to sign. Uh, 
certainly, you know, haven't regretted it for for a second since. So. Uh, and, and, and reporting for pre-season, it was just a good place to be. It was, it was enjoyable. You, you got up in the morning and you wanted to go to work. Uh, uh, exactly how it should be if you're a footballer. So it was, it was a, certainly a good decision. And you certainly seem to sort of uh, make the position your own because you've played quite frequently until the, until the, the end. Um, and you always, you always got took to the hearts of the supporters quite quickly as well. Is, is that something which you, uh, you expected? I, I think footballers, uh, football fans, sorry, all over, over the... If they see somebody having a go and doing the best, they take to them, you know. Um, I've, got to t- I've, got to t- I've got to tell you a story about Kingu. We, we, we were doing pre-season. We were doing pre-season, and I think it might have been the second or third day of pre-season, and uh, all the lads were telling me about this blue run that they did. It was over in Sherwood Forest, just a few miles away, and. Uh, at, at, at the time, I, I didn't like running. Like all footballers, I didn't like running. But Kingy was saying, I'm doing it. I'm doing the blue run. I'm doing the blue run. And he kept, with his cockney accent, I'm doing the blue, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I'm kind of thinking, whatever happens, I can't let the manager beat me. You can't come to a club and let the manager beat you on a cross-country run. He can't. And I was a bit, a bit nervous about it all. And I'd heard some of the lads could run, especially Stevie Harper was literally a, a machine. So I'm thinking, oh, I don't, don't fancy this. Kingy can't beat. And Kingy's giving himself the big, the big build-up. And I'm going to do this. I've done this. And I'll do this in his company accent with a few Fs in, in, in between. And, uh, and uh, well, it was Kingy was off. Oh, I'm going to fucking piss this. I'll fucking piss this. Fucking ain't a cross-country course big enough for fucking beat me. I'm, I'm thinking, I can't let Kingy beat me. He can't, he can't, he can't. And I remember I got there and I'm feeling all nervous and I'm feeling all nervous. And we were all on the start line, all the players. And literally, Kingy's at the front like that. And, he's, and I'm just thinking, nah, whatever happens, Kingy's not beating me. He's not beating me. And uh, Baz has got his stopwatch out and he left, took us round the course just before. Well, this is what he's going to do. Right, like, okay, he's not beating me. He's not beating me. And Baz said, right, off you go. And Kingy just went, fuck it, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> just stopped there, didn't you? Yeah, just, just didn't do it, just stopped there, and then everybody went, and Kingy just went, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> you ever tried to repeat right, that? No, no, been, no, been no. Honestly, Kingy was just, he was Kingy, he was charismatic, uh, knew the game. You uh, wanted to play for him as a, as a man, and I know that season we didn't start well, and unfortunately he lost his job, you know, uh, really early on. But uh, as I say, uh, nothing but good things to say about King. You know, massive, massive shock and massive shame, obviously, that he uh, he lost his life. But uh, absolute pleasure to have known him just for you know a short while. Yeah, certainly a well-remembered person at, at the Stags as well, and. Uh, you earned the nickname Skip when you were yeah, given the Parky. captaincy. Yeah, Parky gave me that. As I say, we just spoke about Kingy. Uh, Parky took over. Parky was a good gaffer. He was a good gaffer. He, he was. Again, you wanted to play play for him. He had the respect of the players. Uh, 
you know, if you did well, he was the first to, to pat you on the, on the back and say, well done. But if you came up short, you know, he would, he would let you know. Uh, but he was consistent. Uh, yeah, and he, 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 started, he, he started calling me Skip. And you look back, it's good management because, you know, it made me, if you like, stand up straight, stick my chest out. And I, I was proud to be captain of the, of, of the football club. Uh, and what we spoke about earlier, you know, I had a go, I'd go and I'd compete uh, and, and, and do my best, you know. And uh, Parky saw that, I think, and he recognised in it, uh, he recognised it. So, you know, he made me captain and. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think I led by example. Uh, I'm not saying I didn't have any bad games, but I'd like to think that you know I did my best and, and, and led by example. Uh, and it was a good time. It was a good time. We had a good team. We had some good players uh, in the squad. Then you know I know Bo's done an interview. Bo was a good a good keeper and. At the back, it, you know, we had players like Scotty Eustace, Warren Ake, Brian Kilclane. Arpo was fit as running up and down the left, uh, and a character as well. Tony Ford on the right, who could trap on ridiculously for someone who was 40 at the time. Uh, well, you, <laughs> oh, honestly, Parky and, and Fordy were, you know, they. They liked a beer, they could drink a beer, and then they would both be at the front of the running next morning, you know, they were literally machines. We should pair of them, Parky the same. Uh, but in midfield, players like John Doolan, uh, Ben Sagemore, who I used to drive in from Wolverhampton, uh, you know, uh, Turbo, Stuart Adley up front, Little Ryan, we had, we, had, we had some good players and it was a good team and it was, it was enjoyable to be part of that team and, you know, I enjoyed playing. Uh, in that team, I enjoyed playing for Parkey. Uh, and you know, I took to the club. I, I felt at home at the club, but there was good personalities within it. Not just the players, you know, Parkey, Fordy, uh, Elaine, who, who was the cleaner. The people in the office were great. Christine was lovely. Uh, Dick at the time, the groundsman. Then it was you know, good people. But Mansfield felt were good and fair. I've just spoke about how Parky was treated you right, and you know if you did well, he'd pat you on the back, and if you if you came up short, he'd, he'd you know he'd tell you about it. But Mansfield felt were good. You know they were honest, they were hard-working people. You know salt of the earth, working class. I don't mean that disrespectfully at all. But good, honest people, and again, you know, they saw that we had a go, and we did our best, and they stuck with us, you know. And we had some great results, we had some not so good results. I think we just missed out on the playoffs that season, uh, literally by a place or so. We came up a little bit short, but uh, yeah. You, you always felt that, that the fans were with you, you know, you always felt that the fans were with you, which was, was great. Uh, that obviously, there was that just missing out on the playoffs. I think a lot of supporters side probably felt that with a little bit more investment, the promotion could have come a little bit earlier than, than, than what it did. Yeah, we perhaps needed a few, a couple more players to push on sort of thing and, you know, you always get injuries and suspensions and things like that, so things to cover that, so yeah, with that, you know, 
we could have pushed on and actually made it into the playoffs maybe a little bit higher to be honest now obviously back in episode one we uh, obviously had Ian Bowling on and he was telling us uh, about a time when the players cornered Keith Haslam in the car park over wages it's a bit of an interesting one with you because obviously you've been in that situation as a player but then obviously he had to work for him as a manager tell us what your experiences were with him obviously you mentioned the, the pink flowery bad summer shirt on your first day when you met the chairman he, he was he was a charming man you know he was he was well spoken uh, he, 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 he had a, a good understanding of football uh, he had an understanding of uh, of players uh, who was out who was out there who was playing who was playing for us so Early impressions were quite, you know, quite favourable. Uh, obviously, the club went through that tough financial time. Uh, if I remember rightly, I was the players' rep, uh, and we'd had a bit of trouble with getting paid on time. And it was, I think, it might have happened a couple of times that we hadn't got paid on the day that we should have done, and. Uh, we ended up getting paid, you know, four or five days late or whatever. But I think the time that, that, that Bo is speaking about, uh, we didn't get paid. I can't remember how it fell. And, and, and obviously the lads were not happy because just like everybody else, you know, at the end of the month, you expect your money to go in. You've got mortgages to pay and bills to pay and you're reliant on it. And uh, uh, we didn't get paid. And... I remember getting to the ground, me and Segi and our car squad uh, got there. Uh, and I remember going and, and knocking on the chairman's door. Uh, the chairman was in his office. Uh, and I said, you've got to come and speak to him, chairman. And he was a bit reluctant. I said, chairman, you've, you've got to come. I said, let me put it like this. If you don't come and speak to them, they'll knock your door down. I'm telling you, they'll, they'll knock your door down. You've got to go and, and, and speak. Um, and he did. He did. You know, he did. He, he went into the dressing room. Um, you know, I think even the chairman might admit it, maybe it wasn't the smartest thing to go in puffing his big lardy dar, you know, and what have you uh, and there was a I, I, I remember again I might be wrong it might have been Scotty Eustace or, or was who part behind the chairman uh, don't hold me to that might, but certainly cars were part behind the chairman's uh, Land Rover to make sure that he wasn't he wasn't going anywhere so so there was a, a full and frank discussion uh, uh, the players said what they thought and it's, I think it's one of those I mean look if the club for whatever reason has financial difficulties I think just tell us just tell us in advance that wages might not be paid on time that they might be a bit late or whatever the situation is I think everybody ultimately respects just being told in advance there's nothing worse than waking up on what you think is payday and, and you go to the cash point or whatever and it's not been put in so it was unsettling it was an unsettling time uh, 
uh, it wasn't a great time. Uh, and again, I'm sure if you spoke to, to Mr. Aslan, maybe he could have handled it a little bit better. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, I, I think Mansfield Town are not the only team to go through that. Uh, it's not a unique position, unfortunately, but it, it, it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, it's, it's always an interesting one hearing those stories, isn't it? And just sort of remembering uh, about those times. I think if you look at where we are now, obviously you must keep an eye on it from uh, afar. How have you seen the club from an outside position now, looking back in? How have you seen it, it, it grow in your opinion? Do you ever think, looking at it now, that mm, I won't mind a shot at being in, in that environment? Absolutely, because... <laughs> I mean, I remember starting as, 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 as the youth team coach and uh, I had to retire. I, I got injured against Notts County. It, truth being told, I'd struggled with my ankles for some time. And uh, I think I, I went to challenge Ian Barraclough. Uh, I ended up injuring myself. Uh, I knew I was in big trouble. And I think I had it confirmed. It was the first day of pre-season. And it was the day after I think Beckham got sent off against Argentina, the, the World Cup. Next day was first day of pre-season. I went to see the spec. I knew I knew I was in trouble. I knew really I was I was knackered. Uh, had it confirmed, and I was very fortunate. I got I got back to the ground after seeing the specialist, uh, and I said to Park, Park obviously Parky was there, and he knew he'd obviously spoke with Barry, uh, the physio, the the specialist. Uh, I said, look, I'm knackered. Oh, you know, oh, that's the end of me uh, playing wise. They knew that, and I was very fortunate that there and then. Parky offered me the, the youth team position. So I was I was really, really lucky, really fortunate to be to be offered that. But straight away it wasn't a straightforward job because we didn't have anywhere to train. And the first part of my mornings would be ringing around various footballing facilities in Mansfield trying to to find a place to train and at that time unfortunately really people didn't want to do business with the football club because I think they'd owed them money in the past or still owed them money and you know we would literally say look we'll, we'll bring the cash down uh, with us we'll, we'll, we'll pay you there but people were just at that time reluctant to to, to really do business so the only facility that we had was the, the little astro turf by the ground now in a way that might have helped us I would say a little bit but probably a lot because at that time obviously my my first day at youth coach was Liam Wallace's first day as an apprentice, Lee Williamson's first day as an apprentice, Craig Disley's first day as an apprentice, David Jervis's first day as an apprentice, da Danny Bacon's first day as an apprentice. You know, um, if, I've, if I miss Bobby was a, a year down the line, he'd, he'd come and had a couple of games with the first team. Uh, but sometimes Bobby trained with us, sometimes he, 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 he was with the first team. But what it made these youngsters, the, the lads that was passable, they had to pass it on there and you had to pass it accurate uh, and, and they did it with a tempo and it, it made them comfortable with the ball. I mean we had some small sided games on there but the, the possession sessions that we had on there 
the tempo looking back was 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 crazy. And a little bit further down the line, when kind of leaping a little bit, I, I ended up as manager and I signed Scott Sellers. Scott was great to help us get us over the line in the promotion. And after his first session on the Astro Turf, Scott had come to me and he went, I've never trained at a tempo like that. Never, and you, you remember Scotty had been at Leeds, he'd been at Bolton, he'd been at Kevin Keegan's Newcastle, and he come to me afterwards and he went, I've never trained at that tempo that the lads, you know, could, could pass it at. Uh, and going back a bit, when we were apprentices, every so often, the first team, Billy's, Billy Deedon's first team would maybe come and, and play on the on the on the Astro as well with the apprentices and, and in all honesty at the time the first team couldn't live with the youngsters at the tempo that they could move the ball at and pass it at you know so we knew we had some very talented very talented lads good lads good attitudes uh, and, and, and we kind of recognized at that time that if we handled them correctly that they could, you know, make that step up to the first team. You're never quite sure how they're going to do, but we were confident that if we handled them correctly, that they could, they could make that jump and and, and be a success. It, it certainly did. I was just going to say today, looking at the names that Stuart reeled off there, there's so many who went on to play at such a higher level as well. It's yeah. it, it's it's amazing, isn't it, to know that we, we had such a, a good developing academy. It just sort of wets the palate for the future doesn't it a bit yeah. as well I think like I said it was very lucky that we got those players coming through but then for the club to then manage them correctly um, to, to make sure they developed and yeah, they went on to the players that they became yeah, so at the time uh, Bob Shaw was uh, scouting for the, for the club then Bob from uh, Edwin Starr and, and, and Bob was responsible for identifying a lot of these youngsters you know, and, and Bob deserves a lot of credit. I mean, I think Bob found Bobby playing on a parking in Derby. I don't think Bob had, uh, had been with a professional club at any stage, you know. So to, to go and find somebody like that, I think Liam had got let go from Forest. Uh, Lee Williamson let go at Derby. Uh, and, and Bob had gone and, and, and got them. So, I mean even to this day, so I don't know exactly how many years ago, overall, that's still the best squad of players that I've had. Massive. So my first squad, and I, maybe I didn't realise at the time, if you like, how good they were, uh, but in, in, in terms of talent and natural ability, and don't get me wrong, we still did a lot of work uh, with them. Uh, and the reason these lads made it, Fundamentally, it's down to these lads having good attitudes, taking things on board and pushing themselves and the reasons why they made it are themselves. You'd like to think though that you've installed good habits along the way, you, you, you try to teach them the game, you install habits, uh, you, come, you come down on them when they step out of line and maybe at times I came down too hard on them, but I, I did come down on them. But the fact that, you know, they're not just out careers, you know, they've had five, six hundred games careers. That gives me a lot of pride, that, you know, 
And, and even now, you know, when they were playing and I'd left Stags and they'd gone to different clubs, if I saw them on telly, it was still, they're one of my lads. They're one of my... That, yeah, I, 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 it was, but the reason that they made it is themselves, but people must have got bored. I used to, he's one of my lads. You know, he's, he's one of my... He's, he's one of my... It's funny, I was, I was working here. I'd... Uh, I've had three years here as assistant manager at Grimsby. Three years, yeah, at Grimsby. <laughs> three years over the river at uh, Hull, and I came back and I was doing some work on the youth side at Grimsby. But by then, Diz was here. Craig yes. Disley was here. Yes. So Diz had had his five or six hundred game uh, career. He ended up at Grimsby. I was, and it was just great to see. I remember Diz what he was like at 16, you, you know, and um, he's the real experienced lad of, of the club. I mean, absolutely loved at Grimsby Town, Diz. Uh, and it does, it gives you massive, massive amount of pride. But also, I have to say, some of the lads that didn't make it that I've had at youth level who are kind of uh, connected on Facebook and, and, and stuff like that. They give me just as much pride with with them doing what they do outside of football. Everybody can't make it at football, you know. Unfortunately, it's about levels, and some are at a slightly lower level than others. But you know, I, I think of people I don't know, like Craig Swinscoe, uh, Chris Gibson, Dean Mitchell, uh, Kevin Ty. The, you know, people that I've kind of. Uh, Scott Burkhart is a very successful financial career now. And I get just as much pleasure and, and, and pride that, you know, they've succeeded in life, even though it might not be at football. And uh, not, not that long ago, it might be 12 months ago, I, I was at work, you know, I was feeling a bit sorry for myself, a bit down, and uh, Scotty Murcott uh, just uh, via LinkedIn sent me a message uh, basically saying, you know, I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you did for me, you installed good, you know, habits with me, you kind of, the way that you were, inspired me. And I was kind of reading this uh, well enough because I was, you know, I was feeling a bit, a bit down, and, and I kind of think, yeah. So there may not be footballers, but if you've kind of tried to just set them up for life, and you know they're doing okay in life, that gives me just as much uh, pride as as seeing the lads that have that have been, you know fortunate enough, good enough to, to have successful careers in the game. I think looking at that youth side, obviously maybe six or seven actually went on to break into the first team and then obviously go on to a higher level as well. well Compared to... Billy's career, yeah. He was the one who actually gave them the, the debuts and you know that's not to be underestimated because obviously I found out when you're sitting in that seat, it's all about everybody saying play the youngsters, play the youngsters, play the youngsters. When you're sitting in the seat and it's like your job's on the line. Uh, so Billy recognised it and, 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 and played them. Uh, Billy come to you and ask you which players you thought would make it into the first team? Well, but, uh, 
we worked very closely together. We were constantly uh, talking. Obviously, at the time, Mark Kearney was knocking about as well as assistant manager. So the two of us are, are very close. Obviously, uh, Mark was taking the reserves at the time, so. The, the youngsters were playing in the reserve, so they could see firsthand the progression that that they were making. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it, we spoke obviously, but ultimately it was it was Billy uh, a decision to put them in. But you know what what they brought to the team. If I remember right, I don't think the first team were doing brilliantly at the time uh, and you're never quite sure where they're going to but they just brought energy they just brought energy and enthusiasm to the team and I think that rubs off on on, on, on the other players around them uh, and obviously I think the fans take to you know local local lads that have come through the system and that kind of had that a closer bond than just, with, with due respect, you know, uh, a footballer who just comes from out of town and, and what have you. And you could, you could, you could feel that bond. You could, you could sense it. You could feel the bond and 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 the fans getting behind these, getting behind these younger players. And uh, again, it was, it was a good, a good time to be involved at the club because. You could just sense this optimism, and behind the scenes, we kind of knew, and or unrightly, they're going to be they're going to be decent. These they're going to be good. It's an interesting one because I think right now the way that our academy is at the moment, having won three consecutive league titles in that division, it almost feels like we're almost back to the same point as what we were in the sort of the late 90s, early noughties when those players were coming through. But is it more difficult now for a younger player to make the breakthrough because before you'd probably get two, three or four which would come through a season and get given the chance if the management was right. But now it's very rare. We've only really seen Jack Thomas over the last sort of five, six years come in and make a stand. It can be done. Uh, I, I, I know, I know. There's a tremendous amount of work has gone in on the the academy at Mansfield. Obviously, you come out the league, uh, you lose your funding, and uh, they've, they've, they've basically started the academy up from uh, from nothing. Uh, as you said, they they've they've won the leagues. Uh, three on the bounce, did you say? Which you know deserve, deserves a lot of credit. Um, I never, when I did the youth team, results wasn't the be all and end all. Don't get me wrong, I wanted to win, and learning to win football matches is part of a player's education. But I would not play my strongest team week in, week out. I wouldn't, simply because I felt, especially the first years, they had to play every other week, really. And uh, if that was at the expense of results, then it would be at the expense of results. But I felt that if the first teamers, uh, sorry, the first year scholars are standing on the sidelines for the majority of that first year, then they're not developing. So um, I would try and rotate it that uh, 
at the the first years got their game action. We were never high in the in the youth league. We certainly didn't win anything. We were never high in the league. But I I believe that that uh, these lads. Uh, the first years had to play. If the second years were stepping up to the the reserves, then more of the first years played in the reserves. Yeah, we had to make sure that the youth team was strong enough that it was competitive with some of the second years. But it's a balancing act, and you know why? I'm absolutely not. Kind of understating how good the academy have been to win three leagues on on the bounce. For me, an academy is judged by the amount of players that progresses into the uh, the professional squad to start with, and then into the first team, secondary. And if you're being, because it, it is a business as well, so it goes professional squad first team and then if you get two three years service out of them and then you sell them for substantial profit you know I think everybody is is a winner so it certainly seems that you know the coaching at the academy at this the moment is uh, is top class I think is it John Dempster uh, Peter Peter there as well Mark Peters yes yeah, so yeah, yeah. Peter great lad as well he could head the ball further than most people could kick it Peter but <laughs> great defend you know proper defender yeah so obviously they're being coached really well they're being educated they're being taught the game uh, they're winning the leagues they're winning the cups great uh, they're learning how to win games great but that next step has got to be you, you need to see them in the first team or they need to be given a chance in the first team now that only comes really I believe from the club from right at the top so for me uh, we spoke about the Radfords and uh, the board you know, it's got to be right. We have a squad of whatever it is, 20. You know, we might have three 30-plus-year-olds in that squad. And then this squad of 20 is going to be supplemented by, say, six 18, 19-year-olds. Hopefully, these 18, 19-year-olds are from the academy. And when you have an injury or, or a suspension, well, let's have a look at one of these. Because you won't know truly if they're going to be good enough until you see. Now, if they, if they go in and they're not good enough, obviously you have to take them out. And, but the thing with me now, it kind of not annoys me because you, you have to make loan signings, of course you do. But if there's an injury or a suspension, so why don't you put a youngster in that knows the club, knows the philosophy of the club? has been about the training ground for however many he knows all about Mansfield Town put him in let's, let's obviously they've got to be in the ballpark in terms of ability but put him in that's what your academy is there for to and get them ready for that because though, if it? you don't if you don't put them in and it obviously it comes from the, so the board have that business plan if you like or philosophy when they employ a manager the manager's got to buy into that because if the manager doesn't buy into it, then you're not managing Mansfield Town Football Club there. We'll go and get somebody else that does believe in that philosophy. As I say, the, the Lawrence's Williamsons were lucky that Billy Dearden believed 
in the in the youth, if you like. Now, I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying Steve Evans does, doesn't, or, or it would be wrong of me to say. From the outside looking in, I think Steve would always go for experienced players. Tried, tested. Seems to do. Tried, tested, and if, if there was a, you know, the, the right back got injured and he needed to bring a right back in, he would go into the loan market and... Uh, go and get, if you like, a try, test, which nothing wrong with that because he's had proven success with that. Personally, I'd want to have a look, for, and that, that's tough, that. it's easy to say, oh, it, it, it's tough, but I think for a club to, to truly progress, I think that's the way forward, to have a look at these youngsters first. And see. I, I think, certainly looking at that, obviously what you say about Steve Evans is absolutely right, but then since Flickcroft's come in, there does seem to be that a little bit more. He was reluctant to use the players we had in from the loan market and brought youngsters in on the bench, and we were all at the time sort of sitting there, and I think all openly admittedly would say, all right, why are we doing this when we've got this loan player in? But you can sort of see why, and I think next season, Nate, would probably be one where you see a lot more of those youth players and plans like Stuart has alluded to actually start to come into place. Yeah, I actually think probably the Radfords have realised that as well. I think they've obviously built this academy up from, from scratch. So it's taken a while for it to get to the level it has and now it's getting some success. But I think, as uh, Stuart just said, it's now needs to take that next step. And I think, obviously, under the pre- previous management, they probably wasn't going to get the same opportunity. Whereas I think now, with Flickrock going in, they've, they've obviously said to him, and he's passionate about bringing in youth players. And now I think the club's ready for that. So I think that's why, um, you know, I think next season that's going to be implemented. I think the, the problem is it depends on how much pressure the manager is going to be put under to get results because obviously if you're going to be under a lot of pressure then it's harder to bring in these younger, younger players because if it doesn't work out then the blame is going to be on him isn't it so this it's going to de- depend on how much time they're going to That's tough. allow. It is, it is tough as, as you say but you know the academy I mean there's there's all this funding now. I'm not sure of the exact amounts that that, that you get from uh, the funding, but the club still have to contribute substantially on top of the funding. And you know, clubs, directors, owners, whatever, want to return on their investment. And as you say, it's it's pointless for me investing that much money in an academy if you don't see that progression now look from, again from the outside looking in the academy was there at Mansfield it's there now so people connected with that deserve masses and masses of credit now it's can you go that one step further now can you you blood them into the first team but that comes not from the academy that comes from the first team manager now so if you're saying Flicker is you know he's, he's, he's looking like that he is going to call upon the, the youngsters then credit credit there I hope it's true it is tough to get the, the, the balance right but I've seen I've seen at Mansfield how the fans take to, to local lads coming through it was a special time special special time of the club I think one more thing before we take a quick break you mentioned a little bit ago about obviously that progression of bringing into the first team and then getting them to a level where they're good enough to sell and profit from that didn't quite happen for whatever reason because your Liam Lawrence's, your Craig Disley's, your Bobby Hassels all progressed through, all became first team regulars and then after the 2004 playoff final 
went on free transfers? Was that an error from the management or from board level? That would be tough for me to say because obviously I wasn't at that club for that, if you like, the 18 months prior to, to that, you know. The lads obviously had an affinity with Mansfield Town, but you've got to weigh that up that, you know, if, uh, did Liam go to Stoke or Sunderland? Stoke, wasn't it? Yeah, Stoke, Stoke then Sunderland, yeah. yeah. Stoke then, so, you yeah. know, if you're a young lad and you've got a chance to go to to a club like that, and, and with due respect, to a decent money. Might so, the other way around, it might yeah, be Sunderland and Stoke. Either way, we got me an S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. But if they've got the chance to go and cement the future's financial, as well it's it's very tough to keep them you know so maybe you know those players they came through the youth the first team had three four good years out of them the idea would have been to sell them for decent dollars but if, if the contracts have expired it's, it's tough. So it would be wrong of me to say, you know, uh, was Keith Curl the manager? Keith Curl. It would be wrong of me to say Keith Curl didn't do this. It would be wrong of me to say the chairman should have sorted it out different because, you know, I wasn't there. Uh, and, and one thing I've always said, if you like, when I've took over jobs, when I've gone in after a manager has got the set, that I would never slag previous managers off because I wasn't there. I, I didn't know what was happening. Uh, and, and it would be wrong of me to do, that. To, to, to do that now. And very quickly before we have the break, you know, I, I left Mansfield. And maybe we'll talk more about this after, after the break, but very quickly, after, not long after I left Mansfield, I'd been, I went to a Lincoln game. Keith, again, Keith Alexander, God bless him, invited me to a Lincoln game. I was feeling down and what have you. I said, come, come and watch the game. I went and watched the game. I'm driving. I'm in the Mansfield vicinity and I, I hear Keith Curl kind of being a bit derogatory about my time at Mansfield saying there was no professional or there was a lack of professionalism there was no foundation which I found incredible because of the number of kids that had come through the youth uh, and I, I took exception to it and I actually rung Keith Curl up and I went listen if I hear one more derogatory thing coming from you about about me or, or Mansfield Tower, I'm, I'm coming out guns blazing. I'm not just going to sit. I said, you're not only being disrespectful to me, you're being disrespectful to previous managers, and you're being disrespectful to people who still work at the football club. I said, so, and, and Keith apologised. Uh, I believe he won Billy Deed and up. And I think apologised again. Uh, so I have this thing that I, I, it, I would never comment on a club when I wasn't I wasn't there to know exactly what was going on. But certainly in the ideal world, you know, you would have liked to have got a fee for Lawrence and Williamson and Hassel and, and whatever Disley, uh, but wasn't to be. 
Definitely. So some insightful stories so far, as you say, we'll talk about uh, the way you went into the management. We'll talk about your journey through promotion, some good times uh, in there as well. We'll talk about a lot more. Plus, we'll put you under the spotlight in the It's All About You quiz. See if you can beat Ian Bowling's uh, score and remember all about your playing and managerial days of the stake. So plenty not to confident not confident on the confident quiz. On the well, quiz. Last, last week, there was a little bit of controversy, wasn't there, Nathan? Oh, on the quiz last week. From a pal, didn't we? And yeah. Throwing extra questions. It was, it was chaos, to be honest. Chaos. Oh, I, I like chaos. It might disguise how little I know then. Don't worry. I've written the questions, so oh, there's, right. the, there's more. It, it's yeah. gonna, it will be absolute hell. It, it's fantastic. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, we are doing this series for the Alzheimer's Society, raising money uh, for a fantastic charity. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, what you've seen so far on the show, all the donation links that you need are in the description. So make sure you get yourselves down there, click on there, and donate. Whether it's just a pound, whether it's a fiver, or whatever, every little bit helps. Don't just sit there and, and watch the video and, and enjoy it and listen to the audio. One pound will go a long, long way to making a huge difference. So please do uh, get your hand in your pocket for that. And don't forget, uh, we'll be doing a live night, a Legends live night on the 27th of uh, July at the Sandy Pate Sports Bar at the One Four Stadium, where. We'll have Richie Barker. We'll have some other club legends to be announced as well. Full details on that are on our website. All proceeds from that go to the Alzheimer's Society. We're going to take a quick break. And whilst we do, let's take a little look at how your donations can help. I enjoy the work I do, so... I'd like to keep going as long as I can. Probably move to a farm area, because I grew up on a farm. Definitely important to have a lovely, happy family around you. I'm hoping by then I'd have great nieces and nephews and things like that. I'd like to travel. I imagine skiing somewhere, which means I'm obviously assuming I'll be really healthy and able to ski at that age. Dementia is the number one killer in England and Wales, and there is no cure. And that's quite a, quite a shocking statistic now I've heard it. I do pride myself on the sharpness of my mind at the moment. If I lost that ability, I think that would be very hard to bear. Your daughter has a one in three chance of developing dementia in her lifetime. Right. That is a really horrible thought. The state doesn't pay for dementia care as they would with other illnesses, such as cancer. Right, okay. Well, that raises questions for me, because I just think, why? Why wouldn't they? I don't know how I'm meant to feel about this, because if there's no solution, then someone's spending money in the wrong places, you know? If your husband got dementia, care home could cost you between 600 and 1200 pounds a week sorry don't really like this alternative picture that you're painting for me it's um, pretty grim I just think it says something about our society if we're not prepared to look after people when they get into their old age. It makes me very cross and makes me question what kind of society we want to be. 
And if you want to donate to the Alzheimer's Society or to Mansfield Matters, all the links that you need are in the description. So if you've enjoyed the episode or the series so far, get your hand in your pocket and donate to what is a fantastic cause. Obviously, it's all about uh, supporting people living with dementia, including stake legend Kevin Bird as well. We're here for episode number five. We're over in Costel Cleethorpes at the Oasis uh, Health Club's Cafe Lounge. Nice little cafe lounge next to the gym, this. Uh, this is where Stuart Watkiss, the former Stags captain, assistant manager, youth team manager, manager, broom sweeper, all-round legend, uh, comes for uh, a bit of a workout. You were working out this morning, weren't you, before we got here? I've done my workout. This is my, uh, has been my mornings for the last few months. I came back from Malta. Thought I was going out to the UAE. Long story, that didn't happen. So I've been uh, here most mornings. Uh, hopefully only for the next couple of weeks. Then touch wood, if everything goes through OK, I'm off to Asia for another another new venture. Another adventure. So that should be uh, fantastic. Well, obviously the charity, we're very grateful that you've managed to give us a bit of time in your window before you head abroad. Um, obviously the charity, great charity, the Alzheimer's Society. Everyone, in some way, is affected by dementia. Yeah, my dad, my dad had it. It's, it's difficult, isn't it, to sort of um, to live because it, there's so many different types, and there's not a lot of awareness out there for people. It's tough. It's 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 a tough illness. You know, God bless my nan. She she lived to uh, 90, 90 some odd, so she had you know a good innings. But it's 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 not nice to see loved ones. Uh, you know, struggle. So it's a great cause. Uh, as you say, maybe there's not enough awareness about uh, dementia. Uh, it's not a nice, not a nice illness. But uh, if we can raise the awareness and just, you know, support a little bit those that, that suffer from it, then it's obviously a, a worthwhile cause. And you know, to do something like this is, is great. It's enjoyable. It's always good to talk about old times and what have you. But if there's some good coming out of it at the same time, then obviously that's just a, a massive, massive bonus. Yeah, fantastic. And obviously it's quite close to home as well because footballers of a certain age, Kevin Bird for one, have has dementia and me and Nathan have seen firsthand the struggles he and his wife Sue go through on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, it is really, really close to home and it, I guess the message is these people have given so much for a football club and to make memories for us supporters, it's time for us to give something back as well. Absolutely. And as you say, you know, footballers of a certain generation, you know, it's coming to light that they're, they're struggling from it. At Grimsby Town, a close friend of mine, Dave Moore, uh, his brother Kevin Moore, who played for Southampton uh, and Fulham and Grimsby for many years, he, he, he died of a, a brain-related uh, illness from playing football and suffering with dementia in his, in his final final years uh, I think an old manager of mine uh, Chris Nicholl at Warsaw is now uh, starting to suffer with dementia and as you say they've given so much to, to football given so much enjoyment to, to, to football fans all over that as you say they deserve our support you know not, not just footballing people obviously all people that suffer with this illness you know deserve our love and support and and uh, just, just the smallest donation that you spoke about can, can, can make a massive, massive difference. Yeah, and if anyone is out there and living with somebody who is perhaps, uh, you know, got dementia at the minute and maybe finding time's a little bit tough, there are plenty of places uh, that can help. One such place in Mansfield being a, a 
fantastic memory cafe uh, which takes place at the Gas Social Club in Mansfield. I went there a couple of weeks or so ago to do some filming and some interviews. You can see that on our website and uh, you know the money that you will raise could potentially help that club as well. So please do uh, dig deep and enjoy that. And that's a big reason why we wanted to do this series where we sit down over a coffee, over a drink and just remember uh, the good times and have a laugh and just you know think back over those times which means it's time now for the bit you've been dreading you can I mean we could say you could run away but we've got you tied down with the microphone so you, you wouldn't get very far without strangling yourself so it's uh, I'm ready we, I'm, 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 I'm built of coffee I think has filled me with confidence so I'm, uh, fantastic let's I'm, talk I'm, you through how the, the quiz works it's called it's all about you ten questions up against uh, the clock um, it will be the person who gets the most correct answers in the quickest time who wins at the end of the series so far uh, leading the way is John Delaye nine correct answers in one minute 43 including penalties Harry cheated yeah. he's got Harry cheated if he's got nine <laughs> <laughs> what's going on no he's younger so it's all fresher isn't it it's fresher <laughs> well there you go there was some controversy over one of the questions as well yeah. but we won't go there um, I can see Cam behind the camera ready to pipe up on that one as well uh, in second place Mick Bolding was uh, here around when you when you were there was it yeah you? yeah Mickey uh, he just called and obviously took him out of non-league yeah quite a clever lad Mickey isn't he so yeah I'm not surprised he's up there eight correct in one minute 38 just behind him seven correct in 139 Ian Bowling uh, in the first episode would you be happy to sort of get just above yeah. Bell or he's got to drop some at Bowling he? he's got to drop to Clanger or something you, you know he's got to yeah if I could get Sarah I can't let Bow beat me surely I can't, I can't let a keeper beat you I'm in trouble and then, uh, up the rear uh, a def uh, fellow defender and one of your YouTube Bobby Hassel um, six correct in 149 Bobby six it's only six yeah there was some Bobby would tell me that he's had the hardest questions out of everybody there were some curveballs in there for sure yeah, uh, it's all against uh, the clock this is for Simon's benefit your time will start after I've asked the uh, first question well, if you don't know do say pass uh, we'll just come into that if you pass yeah. uh, it's plus 10 seconds is it? Yeah, it's plus 10 seconds if you, yes they're also getting questions for the first time oh, yeah. five, five episodes in uh, but if you give an incorrect answer it's just plus five so you might as well have a go and get it wrong oh, right. it's all about tactics in this game so. tactics yeah right. it's all about tactics and, so there right. you go uh, so for clarity, uh, for plus five for an incorrect answer, plus ten for a pass, pass. and your time will start. I'm not good at passing. People are roughly proud of that. No pressure whatsoever. Okay. Are you ready to take it? I'm ready, I'm ready. Come on, man, let's bring it Are on. you ready with a stopwatch? I am indeed. Okay, uh, in three, two, one. Skip, you joined from Hereford United against who did you make your stake debut? You start the clock. You were promoted to manager after Bill Deard and opted to join who? Oh yeah, not Kelly. At Mackinney playing days, you scored your first and only Stags goal against Darlington in a 4-2 win. Which of your teammates scored a brace? No idea. You took Stags uh, all the club's first promotion in how many years? Ten. As a player, you were sent off at Cambridge when you were judged to have fouled which future Stags assistant boss? Your first win of Stags boss came over Hartlepool United. Which two Stags players were on the score sheet? Oh, Pope John Paul II and Pope John Paul I. Liam Rogers, Craig Bisley and Bobby Hassel were all products of your youth team. Who made more senior appearances for the Stags out of three? Liam. Uh, Clearing Drains. Clearing Drains is an anagram of which member of coaching staff from your time at the club? Clearing Drains. Oh, 
Uh, in all competitions, how many, uh, how many games did you win as Stags boss? 14, 16 or 18? Uh, optimistic 18. Uh, which midfielder did you, did you sign from Blackpool in the summer of 2002 on a free transfer? Uh, Mackenzie, yeah. Okie dokie, let's have a uh, quick look. I've not done well there. Uh, could, could be bottom of the league. Well, we're going to find out in, in a minute. Nathan, you're always the independent judge on this. How Don't do you think asking, it is? Asking any youth on this one, mate. I know that's been through youth, but I can't help. I, I didn't know half those, uh, half the question, answer to the question, so I can't help. Who one. scored against Hartley? Come on, please. Oh, dear. Well, I've just got to add this to the times in here. This is this is the bit where it goes wrong. When it's the math. Yeah. Ten, fifteen, twenty, plus twenty. Okay. I don't think of a button though. Uh, well, this is this is where the ruling comes into to play. Sorry, just seeing what I've written down. Uh, Bobby got six correct in one minute forty-nine. Right. I can tell you that your genius answer of John Paul Pope the second and third brought you a little bit of time. You got the same amount of right as Bobby. Tactics. You got six. Tactics. You see. Tactics. Finally, they're working out the, the, the decency of this game. It's all about it tactics. Questions. No, no, it wasn't that. Unfortunately, you should have known one of them, and I'm disappointed that you didn't. Uh, which one? Uh, one of the goal scorers. I can't remember the question, so I won't know. Uh, in his first game as uh, Stag's boss, uh, first win as Stag's boss came over Hartlepool, uh, which Green two Stag? Yeah, Green yeah. Acre. yeah. The other one was Wayne Corden. Yeah. Uh, let's go through the wrong answer. Second, then we'll give you your score. Uh, first wrong answer: the brace um, in your playing days when you scored your one and only goal. Uh, Stuart Hadley was the first to score. Oh wow! Yeah. Mine um, was the best goal that day. Yeah, the best goal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll actually talk us through it in a second. Uh, First winners, we say Wayne Corden and uh, Chris Greenacre were the two Stags goal scorers. There's an also an own goal on that day. I think a 3 1 win uh, on, that, on that one. Right. Um, out of the three, we said Liam Lawrence, Craig Disley, and Bobby Hassel. Uh, Bobby got the most senior appearances. No, it was, it was Bobby, 1 6 4. Uh, Clearing Drains, I gave you a bit of clue on that one. Neil Richardson. I would never have got Neil Richardson. Neil Richardson. So. I felt a bit bad for you at that point because I could see you, yeah. you say, I thought, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be honest, you were scaring me a little bit. I thought, they put <laughs> I'm not even going to dig you for Are you following me home on the way in? Do you know, or do you know? No, 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 I'm good. Because so, Simon followed me on the way here. He didn't have a sat on his own, so he followed me on the way here. I was going to lose you on the way home, but there you go. I, mean, I just got to tell you very, very quickly, Richard, God bless him. We had quite a big pair of ears, Richard, didn't we? I don't know if you noticed. Wherever we played away, Richard would always wear a hat so the fans wouldn't give him stick behind the dugout. The opposition fans wouldn't give him stick. So it doesn't matter if it was 90 degrees, Richard would have a hat on and just flatten his ears down so he wouldn't get any stick from the opposition fans. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously the uh, the final one you, uh, the, you, you got wrong was you, the optimism over the, the games. Uh, only two out. 16 wins, 16 wins, which... Should have been 18. Should have been 18. Yeah, referees. Yeah, referees, yeah. <laughs> wait for, wait for that there you go. Uh, so I can tell you, you got six correct answers in the time of 1 minute 22. With penalties, it's six correct in 1 minute 42, which puts you, not bottom, above... Uh, I'm avoiding relegation. Avoiding relegation. Uh, above Bobby, but Bow did beat you, unfortunately. He got seven correct, so... Yeah, he's... I'm not having that. <laughs> not pleased with that. 
No. We'll take some stick now. Uh, Facebook. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll be getting a bit now. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. So, unfortunately, uh, no. I'd say it, uh, some of the questions I put in there, Nate. To be fair, I think that's a, a fairly decent score, don't you? He had a post with, uh, with a couple of. Well, yeah, uh, he scored. Got him in a point. Yeah, he was. You could have doubled your whole score. Yeah, oh. yeah. Which one was that? that. Uh, um, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the manager. It was. Um, no, 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 no. It was the guy who was Cheltenham. John Johnson. Yeah. So after the, uh, we'll tell you the story. Um, the dugouts have since been moved from the from the Bishop Street to in front of the D and Greaves stand as it is now. Block D. Uh, block D, where Simon sits. Which shouldn't be a block D. <laughs> so uh, we're playing Cheltenham at home, and obviously you know what uh, Steve Evans and Paul Rainer are like on the touch line. Um, they're giving it a bit of verbals, and Gary Johnson's probably about as bad. So after the game, Gary Johnson does an interview with uh, his, his media team and, and says, "They should doesn't matter about what's going on on the pitch, doesn't matter about all that, they should put a camera on Steve Evans and his mate Dodgy. And ever since then, and since they obviously did the dirt in us and, and jumped ship to Peterborough, we've not referred to Paul Rayner as, as Paul Rayner, we've referred to him as Dodgy, or Dodgy, his mate ever Dodgy, since. ever yeah. since. Hang on. That's so, what I say, hang on. So you can't do that, can you? Just if, bags, no. That's it. If, if, if you'd have said dodgy, you'd have had double points, but there you go. Right. Uh, I still think that's all right. I think six in, in a total time of one minute 42 is uh, very respectable. Right, okay. Uh, so there you go. Let's move on very quickly and uh, uh, move away from that. Let's uh, go back from that. Let's, in fact, whilst we're on the subject, we might as well start with that story. Back in your playing days, red cards. Shouldn't have been a red card, should it, to be fair? Um, I know uh, Parky wasn't happy with it. it was Parky was the gap at the time, wasn't it? <laughs> Talk us through it. It was, it was Paul Ray. Well, I'd, I'd got five bookings at the time, so it was my last game before my suspension kicked in, played Cambridge away. And uh, to be fair, Dodgy was a, was, a good lower league, was a good lower league player. You know, he'd come through the ranks at Forest and uh, he, was, he was a good lower league player. Anyway, uh, balls played up to him. I foul him, and he's a foul, it's not a bad foul, it's, it's just a foul, but uh, Dodgy uh, starts rolling about on the floor, it, it's in front of their dugout, so their dugout all, all uh, go up, and uh, unbelievably for me, straight red, off you go, so I turn around and Rainers. Uh, winning in uh, dodgy, he's winning in Oscar on the floor. He's he's having a roll round, and uh, off I go, walk off. Unbeknown to me at the time, when I'm walking off, apparently dodgy sees me being sent off and has a little smile on his face, which Parky saw. So. Anyway, in the dressing room, I remember it, if, I, if I'm being honest. Parky comes in at half-time and it, it, it kind of words along the line of, right, okay, don't matter about the result. I want Rainer Dodgy doing. I want someone to do it. Don't worry about a fine, I want him doing. So, so I'm sitting up the corner, like, feeling sorry for myself. And, uh, Anyway, I, th I, can't, I can't remember the score. I think we lost. Uh, nothing happens to Dodgy. So I end up with a six-game six suspension. We, I think, t kind of tied into some dodgy weather as well, which lasted quite, quite a long time. 
not that long, uh, uh, not that long in the future, we play Cambridge again, obviously at Field Mill, and I, I'm sore because, to be fair to the lads, uh, was there, Scotty Eustace, Brian Kilclane, they've done well, they've done well, so I return and I'm sitting on the bench, play Cambridge, and uh, again, Dodgy's playing, and uh, I think he gets took off not long before the end, and literally, I think in the old days, the fourth official stood up, a board up, not an electronic thing, just whatever it was, come up with whatever, two or three, and I got up and Parky said to me, where are you going? And I went, I'm off up the tunnel, like that, and he went, why? And I said, I'm, I'm waiting for Dodgy, like that, and he, Parky just went, yeah, quite right, <laughs> off, 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 off I went, and uh, final whistle went and Dodgy was first up, up the tunnel, so... Let's just say I told him what I thought, and uh, I can't remember. It might have turned into a bit of a, a bigger, bigger with with the other player. I think I might have said something. That's all I'm owning up to. I might have said something to Dodgy. I'm not owning up to anything else. Uh, and and turned around and disappeared into the dressing room. Unbeknown to me, I think then it kind of kicked off in the tunnel with the the players. Uh, and then everyone comes in, Skip, what are you doing, what are you doing, Skip? What, what, what do you mean? Uh, in a bit of a, uh, a changing of opinions or discussion, you know. An exchange. Like, I'm not saying the exchange of views, yeah. So, you know, might have been the odd what, whatever. I didn't know, I, know. I just kind of started it. You've lit the fire, those again the good old days got changed and we used to go into the the bar at the end of the corridor the way the sporters went and yeah but obviously i had to go past parky's room so go past, knock on parky's door gaffer gaffer so, sorry about uh, sorry about earlier it was roy mcfarland was the cambridge manager and my first pre-season there roy alp king in pre-season so i, I kind of knew roy a little bit and Roy went, big man, was it you that started that? And I come in, yeah, Roy, yeah, you know, it was, I'm sorry, I, I apologise like that. It was funny, and Roy just come up to me, I think, oh no, and he just shook my hand, and he's going, I'm glad someone's done that, I'll be waiting for someone to do that to me <laughs> all season like that. <laughs> oh, um, so, uh, yeah, but... He was a good player at that level. You've got to say he was a good player. And I remember I played for Warsaw and we played Preston away and it gave me a torrid afternoon that day, Ryan. He played up front and gave me a bit of a torrid afternoon. And I did all right for Warsaw and it's funny, in the, all the Warsaw fanzines, it said uh, Stuart Watkins used to take them. Played like Bobby Moore up until Christmas. Played like Demi Moore at Preston. This was against, this was against Raynham. So he's giving me a torrid afternoon and a couple of minutes to go after what I'm having you. I'm having the ball was played into the corner over the top and I'm thinking, you're getting it. I am smashing you like that. And I went flying in and honestly, he just begged me. Called it, I went disappearing into the, the, the sideboards or the advertising audience or whatever. And he just put it through my legs and ran away laughing. Rain. So 
I wasn't his biggest fan to start <laughs> before before the Cambridge incident, if you like. But uh, no, he was he was a good player at that at that standard. He was a good player. Uh, good memories of that. It's, it's nice to know that sometimes things do get settled, and uh, not probably not so much nowadays, but certainly in, in that era. And the fact that managers from both sets of dugouts sort of accept it as part and parcel of the game. The players, no, but the players, the players do. I mean, you know, you know, I used to wear a long sleeve shirt because that t- elbowing was all all part yeah. of it was it was the game you know you go up you 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 get smashed you smash people I think seven times I broke my nose in in, in my career uh, and you used to have some right battles but then you would go and have a drink with them straight after yeah. and it's it's not like that anymore I'm not saying it's for better or for worse but that's what it was like at the time you, you kind of got to know who you was playing against and again I was a centre half and I knew who I was playing against almost week in week out you, you know who you're playing against and I kind of it was almost like I was a boxer and it was just me against him and I, I was going to come out on top and, and, and the rest of the game was almost the periphery of me against him it's just me against him and I'm, I'm coming out on top in those days nine times out of ten they were big lads as well big centre forwards so you go to war it was, it was a battle uh, and, and, and the rest of the game was just kind of extra for me uh, but yeah you, you got hurt you dished it out you, you got a bit back as I say my nose has been clouded a few times Times, but you know it was it was accepted like now literally you can't touch anybody can you so I'm not sure if I'd last the game in, in, <laughs> with today's rules and regulations so uh, yeah but, but good memories good memories let's take you back then to uh, the playing days you'd uh, you'd obviously gone into the youth team and then Things have progressed, and then you get a call to be the assistant manager. Talk us through that because it was Billy Deard and Mark Kearney, and then you as youth team box. Mark leaves. Mark left. He goes to Parky somewhere. No, I don't. I don't know quite where. Yeah, they might have. Been there, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I don't quite know this, why 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 Scouse left. So uh, yeah, so I, if you like, step up. And, and in many ways, I think it made sense because. Now, if you like, the Lawrence's, Williamson's, Hassels, Disley's, Jervis, they kind of made the step up as well. So it kind of makes sense for me to to carry on, if you like, with them. They, they knew me, obviously I knew them. Uh, Billy, was, Billy was good, he was, he was clever. I did a lot of the coaching when, when I stepped up to the first team, but Obviously, Billy was there and there about, and he, he would he would walk around and he would just clock everything that happened in training. He would see this and see this and see this, and and Billy was a great man manager as well. He was he was very good, you know. He, he didn't like confrontation, Billy, uh, but he was very good man management, uh, and he. he he could handle the players and, and again they, they respected him and wanted to play for him. And I think that season really we we started and got better and better in terms of in terms of performances and again you could sense maybe this 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 could be this could be our year, you know, we 
the, the, again, the lads, they played with an energy and enthusiasm and a tempo, really, that teams team struggled against so everything was we were going well we, we were doing well and we'd had a, a couple of good FA Cup results I can't remember who played in the first round second round I'm pretty certain we played Lou Macari's Huddersfield who were top of the the division above uh, and for one reason or another before those two FA Cup games uh, Billy, again, just to change it, on the Friday morning, he had uh, a mate who used to play at Sheffield United for, had a pub on the other side of Chesterfield. And on a Friday morning, we went over there, and we at the back of it, there was all hills, pathways, and dead fresh, so the lads would just have a little jog, a stretch, a few exercises, a few sprints on the flat bit, into the pub, and there were sandwiches laid on, some oven chips, and... I can't, I say, for the life of me, I can't remember who played in the first round. Second round was Lou Macari's Huddersfield, who were top of the league above, and I, I, I think we, we literally spanked him. I think it could have been 4-1 or something. And it, it, it was almost, well, I certainly stood at the side and just thought, wow, you know. The youngsters were great, Cords was on fire, Chrissy Greenacre was, you know, uh, scoring. It, it, it was a great performance. And then the third round, we drew Leicester away at the old Filbert Street. So on the Friday, we did we did the same over to uh, this pub side of Chesterfield, jog stretch, few sprints in, uh, sandwiches, you know, a coke or whatever. Lads disappeared. I could just sense, you know, I just I, there was something about that morning I could. Sense and uh, Billy was there, the chairman was there, Alan Meal was there, I was here, and the players had literally just just gone. So I kind of got up and said, Right, I'm off. And the chairman like pulled me, he said, Just sit there. And I'm like, Wow, and uh, don't quite know what's going on look at Billy and something not quite and Billy then says right I'm off I'll uh, he said to me I'll see you back at the ground skip like that okay right okay off he went so I'm sitting there me chairman Alan Neal I looked at chairman I went something and he went uh, he went Billy's leaving what do you mean he's leaving? He said Billy's Billy's leaving and Notts County have asked him to be manager and Billy will be leaving after to, tomorrow's game. He said, uh, do, would like you to be manager. And I said, uh, you know, temporary or... And he went, no, no, we, we'd like you to be manager. Wow, I was, you know... And my aunt, my, a little bit all over the place at the time, something right out of the blue, Billy didn't say anything to me at all. Uh, and uh, kind of said, you know, do you, are you up for it? Of course, of course I'm up for it. And uh, I remember, it, to be fair, he said, uh, what about your assistant? Straight away I went, well, I think I'll have Richo. Like that. 
and he went uh, chairman he said uh, what about Chris Waddle uh, kind of took me back and I said well with due respect chairman I said I don't know who, I don't know Chris Waddle obviously I know who he is super player brilliant 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 I don't know Chris Wadder personally, and I don't know what his footballing philosophy views yeah, are. Yeah, if you're going into something, you're gonna, you want to work with people you know, otherwise uh, uh, it's, it's a nightmare. Absolutely, and, and to be fair, at the time, Alan Muriel then said, well, he's got to have who he wants, you know, he's got to let Stuart have who he wants. And, and to be fair, Chairman said, yeah, yeah, okay. So, we talked, we talked about a couple of things, not, not a long conversation, and I get in my car and I'm a little bit all over there. Totally, totally out of the blue. And uh, so I'm getting my car, and at the time you, you could use your mobile phones, and it wasn't against the law to. So I ring my, my wife then, ex wife, uh, and tell her. I, I think I ring Richo up and, and explain, and he's a bit wow. Uh, I think I ring Billy up. And, fucking hell, Billy, you could have. Give us a clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to I had a little chat. So, um, obviously the details in terms of the contract wasn't nailed down, but I'd verbally agreed that I was and Richo was going to be. And the lads were going to be told after the, the Leicester game. And uh, we went to Fulbert Street. I think we got beat 1-0. Played okay against a, a decent, decent Leicester team. Uh, premiership team lost one nil, and Billy tells the lads, which again the lads are like, wow. So I don't think I handled it the best. Billy spoke, and, and I kind of said to the lads, well, you know, Billy, brilliant, you know, he's been brilliant for everybody. And then I, I can't remember. I, I think I said, well, I'll be taking over from from Bill, and, and the lads seem, you know, quite happy with that. But I remember because we've done okay on the Sunday, we flew out to Portugal which really was great because we left all the inverted commas the shit behind obviously comes out about billy leaving but we're away in portugal uh, we have we do a bit of training over there it's a little bit of a, a reward for for the lads for having a decent cup run just and uh, so but it was also i think i sorted my contract out with the chairman while we were while we changed the figures didn't he? <laughs> 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 so uh, we sort of sorted, sorted everything out and uh, obviously we come back on the Thursday I think and third, my first game I think was oh, South End away wasn't it first game yeah think under pressure could think under pressure South End away and we came back and we, we, I think we got beat 1-0 that's why it wasn't in the but, the win. but I remember we were actually outstanding that day. I, I remember how well we played that day, and I thought, well, yeah, well, okay. And after the game, it was the realisation that obviously we got beat 1 0, but it was me who had to go and do the press, and it was, uh, well, welcome to management, you know, it was yeah. really, you know, it was, you had to go and answer the questions and, and what have you. So that, that's, that's how I got the job. And, uh, as I say, we, we, were, we were playing well, we, you know, there was an energy about the lads and, and uh, overall we carried on, we, we, we were doing okay, we were doing okay and, and I remember, just I worked with Bucko at Grimsby for a bit, Alan Buckley, and we went to his Lincoln, coming towards 
just past three quarter mark of the season and we went to Lincoln. Massive stags contingent there, as, as, as you would expect. And uh, we beat them 4-1. Uh, and again, that, that night, that night phew, uh, the youngsters were great. Cords was, Cords was absolutely on fire, if I remember rightly, you know. Uh, and, we, and we beat them 4-1. And to be fair, Alan Buckley went, wow. He said, I thought your first goal was lucky, Alan Buckley. He said, but after that stew, he went, after that stew, you were outstanding. You know, it, it, brilliant. And the next morning, I must have had four or five managers out of our league who were at the game ring me up and go, well, that's, you, you won't lose another game this season. You know, that's the best we've seen. John Rudge, who had been involved in for years and years at Port Vale, he wouldn't be, and he went, that's the best I've ever seen a lower league team play. In all my years, that's the best I've ever seen. Everyone's going, you'll never lose another game, and blah, blah, blah. But all of a sudden, it was almost like we could see the finishing line, especially the younger lads, if I'm yeah. We could see the finishing line. We'd done brilliant, and we saw the finishing line. It was almost like we tensed up, and uh, I think we only got one more point away from home after that. But somehow, apart from the Rushton one where we, we got a heavy defeat at home to Rushton, apart from that, yeah, we managed to grind, and I mean it was grind results at, to, at home, but somehow we managed to win them, but not playing the, the way that we had played for three quarters of the season. And uh, because we'd had games rearranged, I think we had three difficult away games uh, uh, on the bounce. And Swansea was one and we got beat. Lee, Lee, got, Lee Williamson got sent off as Swansea. I think we lost 1-0. We went to Orient and we lost 2-0, two, two late goals. And I said to, to, to Richard, I'm going to have a pop at him now. Because I, I felt like I'd been treading on eggshells with Because they And I thought, I said to her, we're going to have a pop at him. And they played okay at Orient, but it just wasn't what we'd been playing. Anyway, I walked in to the dressing room, and if I'm being honest, it was like 15 sets of eyes. Like, it was like rabbits caught in headlights. They were not quite sure. They couldn't understand either what really was going on. How could we be so good for so long of the season and now the nitty gritty part, it's just not happening. And you know, Instead of just going and playing, they were trying to take an extra half a second with the pass to make sure. And I always say to, to, to win games of football, you can't be scared to lose it. You, you've got to go and play. And I, I could understand what was happening, but I thought, I'm going to go, I'm going to hammer them, I'm going to give them a bit. And then I saw these eyes start, and I, I didn't. We spoke, and we went to Torquay on the Saturday. So I think we played Swansea away, Orient away, down to Torquay. Some miles there. Yeah, tough, yeah, and nil-nil. And I remember, right at the death, I think Pilks pulls a worldie out, an absolute worldie. It's not, again, not the best performance, but I was quite pleased with them because they ground it out this time. They didn't go under, they, they, they ground it out, and Pilks pulls an absolute worldie out. And Richard, there and then, I'll never forget it, Richard, there and then, he went, That's, that'll get us promotion. That save will get us promoted. Like that, I never forgot it. Anyway, drew the game. 
nil nil. And we, we grind another couple of, of results out, and I think we get to more or less last but one game. It might be last but two games. I think we go to York, and I think we're just in the box seat. We're just in front of Cheltenham, and we go to York, and another. It's ridiculous amount of Stags fans there, 3,000, 3,000 plus, there's more Stags fans than, than New York fans and, and we get beat 2-1 and I think Cheltenham win uh, and we have one game left if I remember right at home to Carlisle and Cheltenham have two. Cheltenham on the Tuesday, funny enough by coincidence, are away at Carlisle, so who we play. But again, if I remember rightly, if Cheltenham win that game, that's it, they're up. That's it, it's done and dusted. So I go to watch Carlisle because we're playing them on the Saturday. Uh, so I've got my notebook and I'm doing my notes, but obviously knowing that if Cheltenham win, that's it, we're, we're in the play. And if I'm being honest, I wouldn't have fancied us in the playoffs because I think we peaked, if you like. We... Anyway, it ends up nil-nil. So we're alive. I think they're a point in front of us. And I think we need to better their result on the on the last day. I think if both results are the same, Cheltenham go, we need to better Cheltenham's result. Gets to the Thursday. Cheltenham are away at Plymouth, who have won the league, so you're never quite Not sure. sure. Oh. They might put the feet up. Absolutely, you're never quite sure. Orange, well, yeah. Let me tell you this. Thursday, I get a phone call. Paul Stewart, Plymouth. And uh, he rings me up and he went, I promise you, if you win, you will get promoted. He went, we'll beat them. He said, we will beat Cheltenham. Yeah, I don't know if I should say this. He went, their manager, he went, I fucking hate him. <laughs> he said, I promise you, you beat Cheltenham, um, you beat Carlisle, you'll go up. So that made me feel better straight away because I, I knew then. Yeah. And Plymouth were a decent team. Obviously, yeah. they'd won the league. They, they were, and, and Stuart was a good manager. Kevin Summerfield. Still ended up playing for Stags very briefly, Blair. Mm. Blair, yeah. I had Blair for a bit at yeah. uh, Kidderminster. So anyway, so that made me feel better. Friday, day before the game, we trained on the pitch at Field Mill. Warm up, bit of ball work, right, we'll practice some set pieces. We go through the set pieces against nobody. Yeah. Just walk through the set pieces against nobody. Honestly, it was a disaster. Honestly, it was an absolute disaster. Couldn't, against no, no, no defenders in. So I, I, I might have said, all right, lads, let's go. It'll be all right on the night. One of them, don't worry about it. It'll be all right on the night, blah, 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 blah. In we go. Like we, we were up in the office, me, Richo, and Paul Holland, and whatever, and we're like, well, what about the set pieces? We're like, what's going on? You know, we, so anyway, go on. Now, anyone who knows me, I'll tell you, if I'm being honest, glass half full, glass half empty, I'm half empty, I'm an half empty type of guy, really. Woke up on the Saturday morning, Never had a feeling before this, never had a feeling since. I woke up on the Saturday morning and I knew we were getting promoted. I knew. If, if someone would have put a million pounds in my hand 
I would have put it all that we were getting promoted. Don't know why, never had a feeling like it since, but I knew it was our day, I knew we was going up. I drove in from Wolverhampton, hour and a quarter, got the radio on, Honestly, on my own, I'm singing along to whatever ridiculous 1980s, 1970s <laughs> tunes going on. And Simple the best. Hey, uh, why not? Uh, we are the champions. I know, yeah. I know, I know. I get to the ground and I feel, you know, dead calm and, and we're okay. I'm sure I said to Rich, oh, we get, we, we, we're all right today, we're getting. And uh, game starts, obviously the place is bouncing before the game and the game starts and obviously the dugouts on the far side and the yeah. presser and the presser right behind you. Yeah. So obviously they're going, we'll keep you informed. You'll have to check the minutes. We see quite early in the game we got we got a corner. And the setup, it was the most complicated corner that we do. There was two people on the ball, one touch it and he carries on running around, the other one dinks it into the near post, I think it's Chrissy Greenacre, he has to get in front of the first defender and then the one who's took it, who's carried on running, he lays it off and I saw the setup, and I said to Rich, I went, I've only gone for the most complicated, what, what are they doing? Like that, because anyway, bop, 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 goal, it just... Works oh, a trick, so, yeah, yeah. coach, yeah, top corner, I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely belter. Yeah, it's just. Mm. Yeah, goal. After, 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 after what had happened on the Friday, where it was a total disaster with the set pieces. Same end as well, where you were. Yeah, same. So, so goal, one nil. And again, check on them. Not long after, the press shut down. Plymouth are winning one nil. So obviously, it goes around. It yeah. goes around the group. Game goes on, it'd be after about half hour, I think I think Andy did Andy White score the second. Yeah, yeah. Andy White scores the second, 2-0. And again, not long after, press shout now, Plymouth, 2-0. Right, so second in second half comes out. We do expect there's just no way we're losing. There's no way we're losing the game. Carlisle are huffing and puffing, they're not getting anywhere. We're just total, total control of the game. And uh, I remember, even though it was full, it kind of lulled down. And I think everybody's just kind of waiting, and it's, it's pretty quiet. And I think, a bit surreal, this, and we're never going to lose, we're never going to And then all of us, you know, the press, there's literally two or three minutes to go, what have you, and they put the board up, and as soon as they put the board up, they shout down behind us, Plymouth have won two now. Literally two or three minutes of added on time. All of a sudden, the place just Goes takes off. Oh, it takes off. Everyone's edging down the front to run on the pitch, and it just literally takes off the, the place. Uh, we see the final. It, ref blows. Obviously, everybody comes flying onto the pitch. Uh, kind of, I'm carried off across the pitch on the on the shoulders and pictures of that. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just the 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 best the, the best. It's still by an absolute million miles the best day of my footballing. Funny you should say that because we went to that game and we got moved from where we normally sit. We sat there all season. We got moved and Liam didn't play in that game and he actually sat next to us 
all the way through the match and every now and again he'd be like elbow and my dad doing and we were like, we need one nil, and you're like, get here. <laughs> and then I think ten minutes before ending, he just disappeared, sort of thing. And then like, oh, it was just. But he were like, as a young player, he were like so like emotional and like. Yeah, it was it was crazy. When you get into the dressing room, obviously the lads are you, you're jumping up and down. The champagne's there. Chairman comes in, he's popping his champagne cord. It's it's great. Uh, and we go up to the office, me, Richard, there's people in our office, we have a, have a drink with family and friends. Uh, and then everybody went over the road to early doors, because we didn't have a, a lounge then at, at the ground really. So downstairs is all fans and upstairs is like players and that. But I remember everybody kind of left the ground and there was just me and Richard. And we jumped in the shower before we went to to early doors and I, I don't know why we were in the show and, just, and we just started laughing I don't know if it's a release of pressure or or, or what it was uh, we just started laughing and we were like, oh, we got promoted how, how have we done this how, how have we got promoted you know because it had been a grind the last little bit the thing I'll, I'll remember about that day as I say it's the best by a million miles the best day ever of my footballing career but we went into town on the night few bars the players coming to town as well but the place was just buzzing on the night it was just buzzing people in the bars and people outside the bars in the streets you know and the atmosphere that night in, in, in Mansfield was was just special and to see so many people if you like happy and it meant so much to so many people was overall the best part of the day for me just because obviously we'd come down and we could reflect a little bit. It was just, it was special, special, special day. Certainly never had a day like it since. I hope I can have another day like it, you, you, but um, special, great, great memories, great, great memories and just, just brilliant. It was sort of the time where I just started watching that season. I'd been to the odd sort of couple of games before that one and I just remember that one. I just remember not really understanding football too much, but the atmosphere and just that, positiveness which went around there was the nervousness when it was sort of getting towards the middle when Plymouth weren't doing anything and then we weren't doing anything and there was that nervousness but that energy for me I think that game is probably why I wanted to keep going back that was when I got the bug that was when it bit me a little bit and kept going back I mean it took a long long time after that to get something similar <laughs> but yeah. absolutely yeah, 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 that's why you know they are so special I think you know yeah uh, so it's it, it was good but you know moving on not long after that just before you, you did obviously that's just just before we touch on moving on end of the game comes promotion sealed obviously you took over from Billy does Billy get in touch we speak yeah we speak I think we spoke most weeks at that, at that time we spoke most weeks uh, little circle then Billy Parky that we would we would we would speak I had some nice letters in the week week after off, you know Kevin Keegan I think at Man City sent uh, Steve McLaren was at Middlesbrough uh, 
uh, I think Sir Alex saying, you know, just saying congratulations. Yeah. So that was that. That, that must mean a lot as a as a young manager, first managerial job. You've obviously taken over where it's quite a difficult situation because Billy was well liked, but he's gone to a rival club. It's almost as bad as going to Chesterfield in that respect. Yeah, like, but you know, Billy obviously Billy, Billy has to take uh, you know a lot of credit also. Mm. Uh, you know. Uh, so yeah special but it, you know you've just experienced the last few games of the season is always by far the toughest if you're chasing promotion or yeah those last games are tough so I kind of understand why Stags faltered recently I get it because it's not necessarily the best teams that progress it's the teams that handle the situation the best so sometimes it's not just about ability or all about ability is having the, the players the, the manager that can if you like handle the situation that you find yourself in I'm not necessarily saying that it was easy for you but did you find it that a little bit easier in terms of the fact that the core of the squad were the players which you brought up from from of course, I was well all the way through. I knew, I knew the players, I knew the traits, I knew the personalities, I knew what you needed to do. Uh, you know, I knew how, how to handle them. Uh, so yeah, undoubtedly. But that's why it made sense, I suppose, at the time for me to step up to assistant manager and then for me to step up to 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 manager. Um, but football being football. I remember not long after, days after we got promoted, I'd, I'd had a meeting with the chairman about the budget for the for the next year. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't all the chairman's fault this, because the youngsters had been, obviously they, they deserved new contracts, you know, we had players in that team that was on 200 quid a week getting promoted, the, you know, the young players, because they'd come through the, they, so they, signed longer contracts had the wages up thoroughly deserved to have the wages up but I think if I remember rightly that tied in with ITV digital collapsing yes but because they'd had their wages upped contracts upped and took you know a fair part of the budget all of a sudden ITV digital collapsed and there wasn't a lot of the budget left to if you like strengthen for next season then you can't blame put all that on the chairman that would that would be wrong to but I, I remember coming out of a meeting days after we got promoted and I'm sure I said to my staff I'm in trouble and they looked at me I went I could be gone by Christmas and they looked at me I said I'm telling you with if that's the budget we've got I'm in trouble and uh, so that was sobering very very quickly yeah to go from such a high to such a sobering mm. I, I knew I knew I knew that summer was going to be tough I made a mistake please don't say Simon Neil McKenzie excuse my hero no no <laughs> I've been after Macca for a long time Macca could play I knew he could play Macca oh now you can say should I have took another footballer should I have took an enforcer that that could be the debate but I made a mistake, you know, for the best reasons, I, I let Les go because I wanted to bring two big centre-halves in who could, who could dominate. Uh, and I tried to be as honest as I could with Les. But the way that it, it worked out, you know, with the injuries that we had the following season, 
I need it less. I need it less. And maybe that's my inexperience and naivety that I honestly thought I was doing right. But I don't know if he'll agree, disagree, but I thought I want two big, big, powerful centre-halves to come in if we're going up to dominate. I've got the legs, if you like, in front of them. I want two big. So anyway, I had to tell Les, or I told Les that, you know, it wasn't part of my plans. In hindsight, that was a mistake. And I certainly wish I had Les around the season after with the injuries. So, uh, very, very quickly, I mean, the season after, we started the season horrific, horrific injury list. It was, I think we had 10 missing, 10 missing uh, for the first game. Uh, and that, that season was tough. That season was tough because of the amount of injuries that we had. Uh, I think after the third or fourth game, we were 13 or 14 players missing. Uh, and I, defy, I honestly defy, I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes, but I defy anybody to overcome a situation like that. And we found it tough. You know, I never played a fullback that year we had four fullbacks at the club I think I think Bobby played one game that season yeah I remember saying uh, and again I had to literally force Bobby to play he wasn't fit we played QPR but I mean I went in the December uh, we were obviously right at the bottom of the league or one off the bottom I think we were somewhat ridiculous like second or third high scorers in the league at the time and I, Say if I was in charge of 20 games that season, I don't know exactly how many it was. I bet you, well I don't bet you, I know, I'm telling you, must have been a dozen times the opposition manager would come to me at the end of the game and say, you're the best team we've played this season. But they beat us 3-2, or 4-3, or 5-4. So it was five hours by one goal, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember, like, my, my dad that, yeah. What it was, we couldn't defend set pieces, ultimately couldn't defend. Uh, the ITV digital dictated that we didn't have the money that we wanted to bring the centre-halves in that we wanted. That's no disrespect to the lads who came in, because they had a right go, their attitudes were brilliant. But the budget reflected on what we could or could not bring in, you know, and it, as I say, it wasn't anybody's fault. It would be wrong of me to blame uh, the, the chairman for that. That season was, was tough. It was tough because in general footballing, we, we played really, really well. But we couldn't defend set pieces. Uh, we tried man-for-man -man marking, we tried zonal marking, we tried a bit of both, but ultimately, if you haven't got the personnel who go, who wants to go and head the ball, you're, you're struggling. And, and I know time's a, a factor. I got the sack, and I knew I was getting the sack. We played Port Vale away. Uh, we'd lost 5-4 the week before to Bristol City, 4 to up with literally two minutes to go, injury time. We'd, Leroy was sent off that day as well, uh, and the lads couldn't have played any better in all honesty. We went to Port Vale, we got beat 4-2, and, and the crowd started having a go at the chairman. I remember, I'm not saying that they never, or people wasn't happy with me or, or what have you, but I remember that distinctly had a right pop at the chairman, and I said to Richard, we've gone Monday. 
And he looked at me and he went, they're only got the chairman. And I went, yeah, we've got him. I said, because he's now got to do something. Uh, and sure enough, Monday we went. I started clearing my desk before. Yeah. You just know. Just like I knew we were getting promoted that day. Yeah. I knew that I was, feeling comes. I knew I was getting the sack. And I, I was genuinely. People say, you know, how do you feel? I'm, I'm distraught. I was. I was this. I. I was distraught. I was distraught because for years it really had been my life. Yeah. And I was determined to do well. I was like young, inexperienced manager. Uh, and I remember driving out, and I was lost. I was distraught. I felt empty. I felt sick. And it was just the worst feeling imaginable, you know. And then I don't think I could actually feel any worse. I didn't think I could feel any worse. And then Tony Delahunte rung me up. I mean, always got on with Tony. Tony, nice fellow. I like Tony. Obviously, Mansfield Radio, and, and he said, "Can I can I do an interview?" He's probably just done it now and said, "He's my boss." I yeah, I know. No, no, yeah. yeah, he said, he said and I was fine. Yeah, yeah, he can do an interview. And, and I, I remember first, I think the first two things he said, literally, he didn't, obviously didn't mean to, but they killed me. He said, uh, "What's it like to go from hero to zero?" And then he kind of followed it up by saying, you know, we've had a, we did a poll and 55% wanted you to stay, 45% wanted you to go. And it was like, wow, hero to zero, 45% wanted me. And I just remember I felt horrific. I felt horrific. And I've been back a few times to the club, but... I just find it so difficult, yeah, because yeah. in my mind, it's kind of unfinished business. Yeah. In my mind, even after all these years, I kind of think, oh, I should be gaffer at this football. This is, this is my football club. This is, you know, what I love, what I work so hard, what I genuinely... Have you ever felt like that with any of the other clubs no. that you've been to? No. Always Mansfield? No, don't get me wrong, I've always done my best wherever yeah. I go, and you always build up some kind of relationship. Nothing, if I'm being honest, close to what I felt yeah. and how intense it was at, at Mansfield. Let's uh, wrap it up with a very, very quick story. New times against us. First time as a coach, um, you had a very rude awakening without naming names of uh, being a coach. Something they don't teach in the coaches' manual. Well, uh, it's not on the coaching courses, this, uh, as I say. I had. Uh, and an apprentice, I can't, I can't name his yeah. name. And an apprentice, and he, and he comes to me one day, and he said, "Skip, I've got a massive problem." What's the matter? He said, "I've shagged this girl, had sex with this girl, and I've not took any precautions. What, what do I do?" So, I put my sensible face on. I said, "Well, it's, it's not a nice situation, but you're going to have to go to the girl. You're going to have to." tell her you're going to have to discuss and you're going to have to come up with a plan of action the only thing I can think of if I'm being honest at this moment in time is can you get a morning after pill you know if, 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 if it's worrying you that much and obviously the girl's going to be concerned and I said what are you doing out yesterday anyway you shouldn't be out last night uh, 
again tomorrow. You should night in. And he went, oh, I, I didn't go out, Skip. I was I, I stopped in last night. He said, but you just told me you've had sex with a girl. What, what are you doing? He said, oh, he said, uh, I didn't, it wasn't last night, Skip. I said, well, when, when was it? He went, well, it was, it was at school. And that day, had started their education at this sixth form part of a comprehensive school. I think it was at Mansfield Woodhouse somewhere. I can't tell you, the, I can't remember the name of the school. It was their first day. And I said, what do you mean you've had sex with her at school? And he went, yeah, he said, I, I took her in the disabled toilets and we had, we had sex. And I, what do you do? I don't quite know what you do, how you overcome it. Um, to this day, I never told the headmaster or, or what have you. But it was, obviously, while school was going on, where people are walking up and down the corridors, and my player is in the disabled toilets with his girl, um, doing what he shouldn't have uh, been doing. So, yeah, along the way, there's little funny stories. Well, funny now, not funny at the time, uh, and not sure how to deal with. So. Oh, brilliant. Well, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that romance in Mansfield certainly isn't dead. It's been a fantastic trip down uh, memory lane uh, with Stuart Watkins. Uh, very briefly, Nathan and Simon. Nathan, enjoyed it today? Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, uh, the start of the show has given us an insight into a completely different aspect from what we've had so far on, you know, in this series. So uh, it's been really great, and especially reliving the you know that that 2002 season you know that when we got promoted that was for me like you said the highlight of my football fan career I guess if you can call it that so uh, it's been, been really insightful and enjoyed it thank you very much Sorry? yeah yeah uh, echo what Nathan said the, the promotion probably I've been a fan a few years that's got to be one of the main ones that's kind of up there and the fact that you don't like dodgy as well if you've enjoyed what you've watched or what you've listened to uh, this time around make sure you click on that donation link all the details that you need are in the description we'll be back same time next week with another blast from the past as we take a trip down memory lane for the Alzheimer's Society thank you very much to the Oasis Health Club in Cleethorpes for having us in their little cafe lounge to record this episode and thank you very much of course to all of you watching as always the final word the final message, the final reflections uh, go to today's guest, Mr. Stuart Watkins. Well, thank you for, for asking me to talk. Uh, I hope I've not sent people to sleep watching this, as I say. Um, I'd just like to, to say to all the Stags fans out there, as I say, it was an absolute honour uh, to be involved with the club, I think, for about seven years as a player and, and coach, manager, what have you. You know, it's, it's a place that I still miss massively. Um, you know, part of football managers come and go. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, there'll never be a manager that would love the club as much as, you know, as, much as I do. I'm not saying there won't be better managers than me, but certainly not with the, uh, the, the depth of feeling that I have for the club. And I just wish everybody success for next season. Hopefully, the Stags can, can get that. Uh, you know, um,
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.